0: You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today I speak with Marie Monasheri. Marie Monasheri is a nationally known energy intuitive and Reiki master who first discovered her gifts for energetic healing while working as a registered oncology nurse. In addition to her private practice in Seattle, Washington, she leads popular workshops and hosts the radio program, The Marie Monasheri Show, where energy and medicine meet. What Sounds True... Marie has released a new book, Intuitive Self-Healing, Achieve Balance and Wellness Through the Body's Energy Centers. She's also released a new audio learning program, How to Communicate with Your Spirit Guides, Connecting with Your Energetic Allies for Guidance and Healing. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Marie and I discussed my own skepticism about the reality of spirit guides We also talked about Marie's unique take on the concept of free will and her intriguing perspective on the coexistence of the physical body and the soul. Marie also shared a guided exercise to enable listeners to begin the process of communicating with their spirit guides. Here's my very open, exploratory conversation with Marie Monascheri. Let's begin Marie by talking about spirit guides. What or who are they?
1: Spirit guides are beings that we meet on the other side. When spirit guides are beings we meet before we come here to Earth that we actually ask to guide us while we live a lifetime here on planet Earth. They're beings that we believe are more evolved than we are. And uh, so we literally ask them and if they say yes then they become our spirit guides from the moment we're conceived until the moment we leave this place.
0: Okay, so you talk about them as beings. Now, I'm going to yeah. ask you a bunch of, of questions that just that my rational mind produces, and you, you can tell me if maybe these don't apply when you're talking about something like spirit guides, but as beings, do they have a lifespan?
1: Yeah, and they've had to have had at least one lifetime on Earth so that they know what it feels like to be in a body, you know, put gas in your car, um, if indeed they lived during a time period where they were motor vehicles. And uh, wear clothes, eat food, because all those are a big part of how we maneuver through our existence. And we have to be comfortable in that part of our lives so that we can also grow consciously.
0: Okay, so these are beings who Mm -hmm. have at least spent one lifetime on Earth. Mm -hmm. And then how did they get to be spirit guides? And do they have a lifespan as spirit guides? Do they live 10,000 Earth years? (laughs) Do they live forever? How does that go?
1: Well, we all live forever. I don't believe that there's any such thing as death. We just move on from different time space realities some beings really love the fifth dimension which is I believe the place we go to after we leave earth but there are many other dimensions and so we can live in whatever dimension we choose to be we've all been spirit guides you've been a spirit guide as well you're a very good spirit guide actually uh-huh. um, yeah. oh, I suddenly, I suddenly I'm enjoying this because <laughs> <Right. Okay. laughs> you're good at coaching and giving direction uh-huh. um, and spirit guides are like that you know they many times are asking us to choose a path that may be more to the right. Of our life. And m- many times humans frequently choose the opposite path for all kinds of interesting reasons. I call it social consciousness. And, um, and spirit guides are right, go to the right, go this way. And, and then we choose the path to the left. And then spirit guides, all right, everybody, let's go to the left. She's choosing the left path. And they unconditionally love us as we choose a path that, of course, we'll continue to learn on, but maybe isn't in our highest good. Okay, so now
0: there's several things you, you've you said here. One, you don't believe in death, but no. does a spirit guide function in a certain dimension for a period of time and then after a period of time do something else?
1: Well, you know, the strongest universal rule in the entire universe is free will. So anyone can do pretty much whatever they want. But to answer your question, yes, I, I do see them slightly isolated from... Other beings that live in the fifth dimension, I almost see a hallway, which they tell me they are not confined to this hallway, that they have freedom to move about the universes, um, just like we do maybe when we're asleep at night, you know, and an essence of our being leaves our bodies and we go off to other time-space realities to be rejuvenated. So I, I do believe that maybe a being may decide to guide so many people in five or six different lifetimes. Maybe they want to have some training in the experience, but it's completely up to them i don 't think there's any set rule other than if they agree to guide anyone, um, they must remain in that agreement unless there's been an agreement for an exchange because sometimes we get different guides if we change our life path if we make different choices uh-huh yeah now
0: you you mentioned the fifth dimension, yeah, so yeah. L- let's go through this kind of slowly. You and <laughs> i are are here talking to each other in. A multi-dimensional world. We, th- we might think we're in the third dimension. Right. but So explain what's the fourth, what's the fifth? Can we keep
1: going? Six, seven, seven. Yeah, it, so, it, it goes go? out for thousands and thousands. I always try to, uh, when I explain energy medicine and spirit guides, I try to focus on being in a body and from the physical reality, what it could look like rather than going too far out in multiple dimensions. So you're right, we live in the 3D. Then the fourth dimension is commonly called the astral plane or the psychic realm. So when we gain intuitive guidance, it comes from the fourth dimension. It's another big, huge, gigantic time-space reality that exists for the human world. It's also where we can access our past lifetimes. And spirit guides and other beings walk through the astral plane to get to the third dimension. And then the fifth dimension is kind of like the other side or heaven or some aspect where we exist in more of an energetic form where spirit guides and we are um, before we decide to have a life on Earth.
0: Okay. So you talk about all this very mm-hmm. definitively, mm-hmm. like this is just sort of like how it is, like, <laughs> yeah. of course. Right. But first of all, how do you know that this is, quote unquote, how it is? And couldn't this just be sort of your personal mythos here about what's going on?
1: Yeah. I, I, one of the things I've always asked my guides to do, especially when I started to do energy work, I wasn't planning on becoming an intuitive or a healer. I was a nurse and wanted to have a normal life. When I was married and had three kids living in a little bit of Pleasantville in Kirkland, Washington, which I still live in that same neighborhood, actually. And I kept asking, could you just drop down a book from the heavens with symbolism within it? But I actually hear and see images. And then many times what I hear or see are validated through a book that may come into my way. Or someone will say, oh, yeah that place that you're thinking about is the Akashic library. (laughs) So I'll have kind of um, personal experiences. Um, Most of the learning that I've experienced has come through my own spirit guides. Even when I'm working with patients in my healing room, uh, beings will walk in and teach me things and direct uh, things for me to learn. So that's how I've learned most of what I've experienced. I don't think any of us can definitively say that what we experience is real. And I also think that... um, it's individual for each person. I think you have to look at what sings to your heart and your soul, and if something vibrates to you at a place that feels real and authentic to you, then I think it's important to pay attention to. Okay,
0: so you mentioned that you know I could have been a, a fabulous, might yeah, have been a fabulous <laughs> spirit guide at, yeah. at one point, but but here, yeah. here I'm here now. And right. do you have knowledge of your own history as a spirit guide?
1: I don't, actually. I don't have that. I haven't asked the question. I think a lot of times, if we would literally just take a moment and ask a question, the information is available, but I haven't asked that question. I'm so busy in my physical reality, having a lot of fun. Um, But I have seen many of my past lives when there's an area that I need to heal in this physical world and a previous lifetime is holding me back, Uh then my spirit guides have shown me that lifetime so I can work on it more consciously and let go of the story that I have connected to it and heal it and allow myself to be more whole and balanced in this lifetime.
0: Can you give me an example of when a past life was shown to you? For yeah. Your
1: I, actually, right around the time that I began to open up as an intuitive, I was actually working as an oncology nurse in a Seattle hospital, and I began to see and hear stories inside my patients and in their organs and in their body. And it's also when I began to see the chakra system. And I was actually really... Afraid to tell anyone about it. I didn't even tell my husband or my children. And uh, I was even afraid to tell my coworkers at work. Um, But it was every day I was inundated with um, new paranormal experiences. Hmm. And um, I started to hear voices every day as well. And they told me that I would start healing, working with people to help them heal. And I was really nervous about that. And I saw a past life one day in my home. And I was crying almost every day. It was kind of odd when the kids were gone. I worked night shift, and when the kids were gone at school, I'd be crying all day. I believe I was just letting go of old grief, and things were just moving through my body because I didn't even know what I was crying about. It was a, a very odd experience. Yeah. But I got up from a meditation and walked to the living room window, and I saw a past life where I'd been persecuted for having a talent or some insight and in speaking about it. And um, in, it was if the past life had actually come into the three deer. Into the third dimensional world, even though I know it hadn't, I could see beings or look like what looked like human form standing around the house, actually holding torches on fire. Wow! (laughs) And um, and I was told at the same time that I was safe and that this past life was very old and that I needed to remind myself what century my cells were currently living in. Yeah. And so I started to have a daily dialogue with my body about who I was, what century it was, what part of the world I lived in, that it was safe to be different now. Yeah. And then that really helped me. Shortly after that, I started to see patients in the house and told my supervisor at the hospital what was happening to me, and she became an incredible supporter of mine. Hmm. Do you have any
0: sense why these gifts opened mm. up for you? I mean, you said you were meditating, but was there were you asking or, or praying for anything? Yeah,
1: I had prayed to find my passion. I thought nursing was my passion loved putting in IVs and um, talking to other co-workers and physicians and being with patients even during stressful procedures. I enjoyed it very much to connect with human beings. Um, but after a while, that started to change for me. I was no longer excited when I walked on. I was no longer excited when I walked into the hospital. And um, I was very perplexed. So I had been praying every morning in my bathroom <laughs> before I went to work when I shift to day shift and uh my prayer was um, i'm willing to do whatever it takes i just want to know and live my passion that's a
0: powerful prayer whatever it takes whatever it takes yeah and so what was it like when you met the first spirit guide that you met for your own spirit
1: guide? Mm, it was a beautiful experience it was also humorous i love guides because they they know what may make you anxious or uncomfortable and uh my first guide that I, the first one I ever saw, his name is Kozar, by the way. That's the name he spelled out in my head. Um, he looks like Sean Connery. He's really handsome. <laughs> and he's wearing this what really... do you. Yeah, That's right. exactly. And he was wearing this very itchy, kind of unattractive burlap robe. And I inquired, of course, first about his attire, because <laughs> I happen to like fashion. And uh, he explained to me that I was a lot more spiritual than I realized and were you
0: meditating and this series meditating. of images came to you? Is that yeah. how it uh-huh.
1: Yeah. first it was a creek, a beautiful stream of water, and, and me walking near it in my mind. And then he showed up walking on the other side. Mm-hmm. And he didn't tell me he was a spirit guide. I actually called someone, a friend, right after the meditation because it was so profound. And she goes, oh, you met a spirit guide. I go, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's how it started for me. And
0: how does Kozar work with you or help? Is Kozar with us right here as we're talking? Yeah, absolutely. Kozar's right here.
1: Yeah, yeah okay. in fact there's a lot of spirit guides in this room right now yours and mine and those that also work in media and development and um, there's a lot of spirit guides in this room who could are, you
0: posit a number just yeah there's curious.
1: about um 76 beings in the room right now it's kind of Ser- crowded serious yeah not 77 or 75 yeah. but well, that was yeah. the number that dropped in my yeah, head interesting. yeah interesting yeah so um yes yeah, so well wow. it's pretty crowded uh There's a lot that's going to be happening on the earth plane in terms of consciousness. And Mm -hmm. Sounds True is a company that has a lot of integrity. Mm -hmm. And so spirit guides are really happy to help move integral, you know, conscious information out into the human reality. And so they're excited about it, just like we are. As we evolve here on earth, so do spirit guides. You know, in one aspect, we're all one. So as they evolve, we evolve. And also the opposite.
0: No, I, I could imagine somebody, you know, might hear something like, "Yeah, there are seventy-six guys," yeah. but they would think they might think to themselves, "I don't trust that information," or "Who sure. knows?" Or you know, like a number popped into my head, but blah blah blah. H- how is it that you, when you hear something like that, you think that's? you know what's right. happening
1: I've been doing this for such a long time and as soon as I started to have experiences in the hospital I started to lay hands on patients physicians would even order me to lay hands on their patients they didn't want to know exactly what I was doing but they would come up to me in the morning and go hey Mrs. Johnson really wants you to go do that thing again on her because she really relaxed and she was much happier and I go well and sometimes I would reply that I was too busy because many times I worked as an on-call charge nurse and had a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Then the physician would take out the chart and start scrabble, you know, scribbling yeah. for me to go do hands-on work. So I started to trust my experiences really quickly because the outside world started to validate my experiences, even if they didn't completely understand. And I felt like my role isn't necessarily... I feel like my role isn't necessarily to convince other people of my experiences. Yeah, They're real for me, and if they provide helpful healing experiences for others i'm eternally grateful but what happened just so you know what happened yeah. in my mind you asked the question i'd already noticed that the room was full but i didn't bother right. to know the number It yeah. didn't really matter to me as soon as you asked the question i saw the number 50 and then i saw something like 79 yeah and then as you were more direct about the question it just the numbers started to creep up and creep up the numbers yeah. came together and then it stopped at 76 and that's how i knew
0: right so, did you have some experience early on of mm. validation that was just sort of a watershed moment, <laughs> if you will? It was like, okay, wow. You mean um, when I opened well, I mean, up, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, like, okay, so you 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 meet a, a guy that looks like Sean Connery walking <laughs> on the creek. I mean, that's not exactly a huge external. That's an internal. Right. It was an moment, internal experience. But something that happened on the outside where you was like, where, uh, you, where you thought to yourself, "This is uh,
1: quite a, quite the real deal here." Well, I've scanned people's bodies while they have been clients of mine and I've been able to accurately diagnose health issues um I don't think of myself in that way because that's not always why people come to see me even though they think it is Uh because we have MRI machines and CT scanners but a lot of people who can't be diagnosed through conventional medicine may come to me and and then um, they can go to their physicians and get more definitive testing so that's been a very positive experience yeah um I think one of the things that happened after I met Kozar and my two other guides, because I only have three, um, however, I've had as many as 27 in my office when I first started to do energy work, is a memory that I had from childhood when I was about five years of age. And my sister has validated this memory for me. And apparently I used to tell all my little girlfriends what was going on in their lives, even when I had never met their parents or their uncles or their aunts. I knew accurate information about their lives and their childhood. And I used to give them advice um, when I was quite young. So I had forgotten completely about that until I started to have some awakening moments, I guess, is one way to describe it. Yeah. And I had full memory of it. And that was kind of a a validating experience for me.
0: Now, is Kozar guiding anyone besides you, or is he just your
1: man? That's it. Yeah, and he's a primary guide. So we all have a guide that can never leave our side, so Kozar is my primary guide. Your other guides, because many people, you have five at least from what I can see, you have five. Um, other guides can kind of go and do activities for us. <laughs> you know, Let's say that before we came to Earth, we said that we didn't want to have any children. And so they're like, great, you're not going to have any kids. Excellent. So there's been no connection between you or someone else, in particular children, that could be teachers for us or some incredible experience. And then a person comes to Earth, has a lifetime, and because they have free will, they go, oh, God, I think I want to adopt a bunch of kids, you know, and so then some of their guides run off to go find who these beings might be that would be in their best interest and, mm-hmm. and formulate relationships with their guides, find out where these children might be so that they can be brought into this family unit. Unit. So um, so that's one way to look at how guides work for us.
0: Now, you know, the reason I asked, is it possible that Kozar is working with more than one people is sometimes... I'll meet people and they say, my guide is X, Y, Z, some, you know, famous person from history or mythology, like, you know, my guide is Isis or something. And then I meet someone else and they're like, my guide's Isis. And I'm (laughs) like, wow, (laughs) Isis is one busy, you know, goddess guide.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I I mean, it's very possible. Some people believe that the Virgin Mary had multiple souls inside of her being at the time of her existence, which was a very profound time on earth. The times, you know, the time that Christ walked the planet. So it's very possible. I, I don't see a lot of famous beings in my life <laughs> for me, um, in terms of guides. But I think anything is possible.
0: Okay. Well, let's let's get back to me for a moment here. Okay. Uh, really, though, I'm I'm curious about it. Five more. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious about it more though. Your experience, uh, uh, which is when you. Sense five guides. Are Uh you? Are you seeing something? Are you feeling, sensing? What's going on for you? That you. The first thing that
1: was happening is I was having an auditory experience. So you know, I'm clairvoyant, clairaudient, and clairsentient. So I heard something, and I heard first. You're going to need to talk to her about her guides, and they were referring to you, Tammy. Uh And then, in my mind, I just. Replied as I said, okay. So as I'm speaking to you with my human mouth, I'm having a multi-dimensional experience with whatever happens to be going on. on over there, Marie. <laughs> and um, and so and you I, look so normal. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> That's what my kids always say. Yeah, you, know, you look normal, mom. Um, and then I s- heard, um, I heard that dialogue, and then I saw the number five, and then I had felt a resonance feeling inside of me because five in numerology is a very powerful number. It's uh-huh. a master number. And so that to me was a validation like that makes total sense to me that I would interpret that she has five guides.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now you you said something early in our conversation that I want to circle back to which is that free will yeah. is the one law of the universe. Yeah. And, and I'm curious about that because I think people have often the experience that there's something that they're really willing to happen in their life. They really want to have happen. Mm-hmm and it's not happening mm-hmm. so that a lot of people don't actually have the experience of being a creator in the way that you're describing mm-hmm. and so i'm wondering i mean our conscious minds might want to create something but then what's actually happening
1: in our unconscious and and how do you see this i think manifesting is a is a very interesting topic it's one of my favorites actually mm-hmm. i also think it's incredibly complicated we do have free will I, I believe in it even if i believe even if we're not conscious of what we're Experiencing or what we think we want, our free will is happening all the time. But when it comes to manifesting, I think the biggest rule, especially when you know what you want, is to let go, is to surrender, you know, to identify something that you do want to create in your life and then step back as if it's already happened and feel the energy of that event as if it's already occurred without trying to figure it out or analyze it or move it in a particular direction. Let your guides in the universe unwind it in a way that's in your highest good, I think that's the best way to manifest, actually.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, that's helpful, this idea Uh of stepping back. But there's still something in my question here. And Mm. as I was uh, reading your book on intuitive self-healing, you talked about how nobody dies without choosing to die. Mm -hmm. And I had an experience being at the bedside of someone who very, very much said that he wanted to live. Uh, yeah. That was it. He wanted to live so much. Yeah. And he had done everything imaginable, every special diet,
1: mm-hmm. every
0: alternative. You know, I mean, he was trying everything. Mm-hmm. He had me visualize him eating a piece of pizza because that's <laughs> what he wanted more than anything. Right. And then he died within 48 hours of this right. visit. Mm-hmm. And so when I read in your book, Everybody Chooses yeah. the Time of Their Death, I thought, how do
1: I understand what I saw with this person? It's a very different Consciousness, the, the human consciousness versus soul consciousness. Mm-hmm. So we have a soul, and the soul doesn't do anything that isn't in the highest good of the being, right? And the soul leaves when it's the perfect time. I believe we have at least five escape routes um, planned mm-hmm. into our life path before we get here. So that we can leave at various times during our lifetime, I don't believe there's ever an accident. The person that you're talking about, I hope you don't mind me reading the energy yeah. um, and I know that was an honorable experience for you. you know to yeah, be at yeah. the bedside of yeah. someone dying is probably the most profound experience I've ever yeah. had in my life. Um, he, this person was not a person who let go when he was alive. He continued that pattern even in his moment of death, yeah, and that's a common pattern I've seen in some of my clients too as well, who swear to me that they want to live, but they also don't do things that, until maybe something really bad happens to them, to live their life maybe more peacefully. Yeah. You know, they make their life a lot harder than it needs to be, a lot more challenging. Yeah. So even though he professed through his humanness that he wanted to live, he was terrified to die, actually. He was scared to death of it. Um, he's much happier on the other side now, from what I can see. Um, I believe on a soulful level, it was his time to go. So
0: what you're saying then is mm. that our soul is mm. making these choices. And so we may, our human personality may think it's making certain choices,
1: but that's not really who's driving the car necessarily. Well I believe that our soul is this huge, gigantic organism. It's huge. And we don't bring all of the aspects of our soul into this lifetime. If we did, we'd probably go a little bit nuts because <laughs> it's just so huge and gigantic. We bring parts of our soul that will be very helpful in this physical reality, parts of our inside and expand consciousness. We also bring parts that we want to heal. Like in, when I look at this person that yeah. you're talking about, he really did want to learn to be at peace. Something that he had moments of that he really, really, really cherished. Yeah. Um, but he wanted to be in control so much that it was hard for him to do. And I don't believe we're really in control of of um, what happens around us, really. You know, that's that whole part of surrendering. It's about being part of the divine plan. What is in the best aspect of everyone. And I'm, I know you've had those moments yourself, where you sit back, you take a deep breath, and what you thought needed to happen wasn't exactly in the best interest and what yeah. did happen was beautiful yeah. and it was perfect in that yeah. moment. And I think that's what, as human beings, what we're learning to do is take that step back, reconnect to ourselves, the true authentic part of ourselves, the higher consciousness of our being and be there. I think that's when the fear dissipates, Yeah, that when people who say they want to be in relationship for years, but are single for years, recognize that maybe they really wanted to be single. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think there are accidents. I do think that on a soulful level, we are making profound choices, and they are in our highest good for the moment. Okay. So I, I think I'm
0: fully with you on the surrendering mm. part. I think I, I feel that. I, I get that. Mm. The part that's I'm curious about is what you recommend in terms of enacting our will in the world. I mean, do I just admit what it is that I really want?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, you know, whenever there's something that I, one way to look at it is, and, and I've had many experiences in my own life where I want something, but it's not turning out that way. Yeah. I know that in my core, there are beliefs that are holding me back, not true beliefs, but beliefs that I've created stories, maybe from even previous lifetimes that are not allowing me to move forward in a certain direction. And so I know I need to look at those honestly, not ignore them, not pretend, that they don't exist, yeah. but to really admit to the fact of some deep-seated feelings I have. A lot of people don't like themselves. Yeah. A lot of people are not really, really happy. Yeah. And so I think we have to look at those wounds inside of ourselves, honor them, appreciate them, be kind and loving to them so that we can move in, it in the direction of our dreams, our right. authentic, real dreams. I think your friend had really wanted to live on the other side. For a right. long time, actually, he loved spirituality very much. So,
0: now give me an, <laughs> uh, an example from your life. Yeah, when you hit one of these places where you could see that there was a belief mm. that was stopping you,
1: and, and how you worked it out. Yeah, there's so many. Writing would be a good one. Um, my spirit guides, Kozar, for years have have asked me to write which I did. I actually really love to write and I can go to coffee shops and write for hours (laughs) and really enjoy myself. But I was really afraid to be published. I didn't have a lot of... um Faith in myself and my ability to explain what it is that I wanted to express in a book. I didn't have a lot of self-confidence as a writer because I didn't pay a lot of attention to grammar in school. Yeah, And I've put authors in this very high regard. I love books. Yeah. Walking into a bookstore, just smelling the ink on paper, Yeah, I'm in heaven. Right. <laughs> I think I've, there's one book I – there's a lot of books I really love, but one of them in particular I've bought, and I don't know how many times, maybe – Fifty times I give copies away and go and buy a new copy again, <laughs> um, so I had to b- learn I had to learn to believe that I could write and that I had something important to share and that there's spell check and that I could learn more about grammar yeah, sure I had to learn to embrace that part of myself and also be seen to to also be an author means that I'm looked at in a different way, yeah, and I had to get comfortable with that feeling. So that's something I worked on a lot. I think mirror work is a great way to work on getting rid of hidden beliefs You know that you finally come to an awareness of. So explain to me, how would I do mirror work? Well, what I did in order to get better at writing and to get an agent and then a publisher (laughs) is I would literally look into the mirror, make direct eye contact, and I would say to myself, you're an amazing author. And I would say, like, for two to three minutes – Every single day and I would let my vibration in my body get excited and more happy about it yeah. and, and feel confident about that experience. Yeah. Um whether I'm an amazing author or not, <laughs> you know, is another story, but learning to feel good in a craft that I would love to be good at certainly helps. And I also recommend that when you do mirror work is to use language that allows you to feel that makes you feel a little uncomfortable, like, I'm an amazing author.
0: Right. You so know? then, let's say you're looking in the mirror and you, mm-hmm. you say something or other. You're, you're loved and highly yes. desirable. Yes, And the feedback then you hear inside is not that your cells are singing, but you hear, <laughs> you hear just the opposite, like, what? Come on. Yeah. You know, you should be on a diet. Or, you know, you're, you've got wrinkles. Whatever you hear, you hear all of this. Mm-hmm. What do you
1: do then? You sit with that. You be kind to yourself in that that's how you're feeling at the moment, you may start with, I'm learning to like this woman in the mirror mm-hmm. as a mirror exercise. And after a few weeks, I'm lovable. I'm desirable. And I wouldn't stop. One of the things I love about mirror work is I think it actually really works. <laughs> is Because... Because the windows, you know, our eyes are the windows to our soul. Yeah. Because our eyes are the window to our soul. And I believe that's one of the reasons why it works so well. When you have a desire and you've done everything else to make it come about in your life, and now you're doing mirror work, which I probably we should start with mirror work. <laughs> yeah. I would continue doing it until the event manifests in your life.
0: So I, I'm doing the mirror mm-hmm. work and I hear these negative things mm-hmm. back. I'm nice to myself and I just keep going.
1: Well, I would, I would go back, I would...
0: So you so you, so you feel back the intensity back. of the... Of, yeah. So instead of I'm highly desirable, yeah, I'm, I'm, learning. I'm on my way to becoming yeah, desirable. I'm
1: learning whatever. to believe I'm a desirable being. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great way to say I'm learning to believe yeah. in this. I'm learning to feel this way about myself. Because it's something that we, as human beings, go, oh, okay, I'm learning this. All right, I, I can buy into that. Yeah. Yeah. And then progress over a period of time. But even that experience in the mirror can change the cells radically and move belief systems out. Because you don't have to change your belief system 100%. Even if you change it 10%, you can have phenomenal change in your life.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, now for you, Kozar appeared. Right. He just appeared while you were meditating one day. Mm -hmm. But I think for most people... Who are my spirit guides? <laughs> yeah. Do I even believe they exist? If I had an image of them, why wouldn't I just think it was my imagination coming up with, you know, some movie star type character that I liked? So what do you suggest for people who want to meet their spirit guides? How do they do it?
1: I think that's a really great question. And one of the things I love about living in the physical reality is if you believe you're communicating with the spirit guide and you think you even got information, you're going to find out if it's valuable or not. Yeah. You know, because the physical world is going to show you if indeed whatever you got or felt or intuited is true. So that's one way that you can start to gain your confidence by asking questions, having a feeling, a sense feeling, not get caught up in does my guide look like a movie star? Yeah. Maybe you may feel a warm ball of light.
0: Yeah.
1: Or maybe you'll hear a sound when you feel your connection to your spirit guides. But to start to have dialogue. And speak out loud because human beings think so much; their brains are full of so much information. Most of it not very valuable, in my mind. Fair um. enough. <laughs> so spirit guides communicate to us through mental telepathic conference most of the time. But because human beings overthink and overanalyze and overprocess, sometimes they can't actually decipher what it is the what the question is that you really want from them. Yeah. So to speak out loud to a spirit guide. With an intent of having a conversation and a connection is really important until human beings or the individual learns to be in their body more um, and think less so that there's space for the conversation there.
0: Right. So I'm I'm Uh, talking to my spirit guides and I'm having a bunch of thoughts and maybe receiving genuine communications.
1: Mm -hmm. How do I sift that out? Mm -hmm. Which is which? Well, they're probably not going to be talking about the grocery store or gas in the car or lunch with your mother. (laughs) <laughs> it's probably going to be a lot more personal. It could be an answer to something you've been thinking about for a long time. Like maybe a person really is working on self-love. And now they're making a suggestion to attend a particular event or read a particular book uh-huh. um, or to, that new people are going to be coming into their lives because they have been incorporating more of a vibration of self-love. And they're going to be meeting new friends who are going to be very compassionate towards them. So I would pay attention to all the information. I mean, how could you not, really? Yeah. But go for the information that has more of a calming experience. I believe communication with beings is, creates a neutral feeling inside of us because they're neutral. Nothing's good or bad or wrong. We're just moving through a lifetime, having, an, an, a, having a human experience. So to be neutral, I think, is really helpful. To um, not be overly dramatic in the connection, feeling peace or flow, um, I think is a a sign that mm-hmm. we're connecting to our spirit guides. So every single
0: person has at least one spirit guide? Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Or many more. They could have 20. I think the most I've ever seen around someone who's like 22 in terms of uh, long term. You can have beings that come into your life, spirit guides that come into your life, when there's a big change occurring in your life. And -hmm. like when I started to do energy work, because I hadn't formally studied it, um, or didn't know very much about the topic, a lot of guides came into my room to help me with um, learning.
0: Right. You talk about this thing that I think is very interesting. You say that sometimes when someone's going through a big change in their life, you'll see an arch behind them, and that there are many spirit guides sort of coming in through that archway.
1: Yeah, yeah. You have an arch that just closed, so you must have had something kind of big happen in your life over the last uh, uh-huh. couple of years. I don't know what it was I wish exactly. it would stay open. Well, anyway. you, you are getting a new one. Okay, Yeah. Good. In about three months, you'll have a new one. Uh-huh. People who do personal work, inner work, get many more arches. Uh-huh. Um, people who aren't consciously doing their personal work may get an arch when they get married or have a child or get divorced or leave a job because something in their physical reality has drastically changed, and they'll need new skill sets. Um, So they're being forced to evolve. But people who do conscious work have more archways. to. you're the
0: first person I've ever heard describe this Mm -hmm. archway Mm -hmm. phenomenon. I've heard people talk about spirit guides, but this archway thing, uh, this is the first I've ever heard of it.
1: (laughs) I started to see it around my clients about seven years ago. Uh Uh-huh. And, of course, when I saw it, as it, what happens to me, I'll see something, then I'll ask a question, and then I'll get information. And so, typically, they're about 50 feet high, 20 feet wide. And the whole idea of the archway is that within the arch, the third-dimensional space actually peels back. And light from other time-space realities that would be very helpful for the individual rains upon the person, like sunshine, hmm. um, to give them new information, new concepts, new ideas, to move through whatever it is that they're learning at the time. Mm -hmm. So yours closed about three weeks ago, which it it looked like it might have been a little challenging. So um, you can just kind of go, phew, (laughs) regarding it, whatever it was. And have you
0: ever seen this archway phenomenon confirmed by any other intuitives or anybody else? Has anyone else ever talked about this?
1: No, I haven't Uh asked anyone either about it. Yeah.
0: So I'm just curious. I mean, this is so curious to me. I mean, you see something like this, and then you, from that, then conclude? Maybe you don't conclude. Mm -hmm. Maybe
1: you just sort of posit. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the way things are? Well, usually what happens is I'll see something at least three times. So probably the first time I saw it on someone, I went, oh, that's interesting. What the heck is that? Right? Right? And then maybe the next day I saw it on another client. Well, that's interesting. And then maybe um, I saw it on one of my friends. You know, so I'll get that's how I've learned even how to um, teach clients how to work through things in their own life or what symbolism means to me when I'm working inside the body energetically or how individuals can take energy in their bodies. I'll see something numerous times, usually a minimum of three. And that's when I start to ask questions. And it's like real for me, like, oh, this might mean something. Hmm, what does this mean? And then I'll get dialogue and information, and then it will continue to happen. And that's kind of my evidence that it's real for me. Mm-hmm. And so the archway mm-hmm.
0: phenomenon, it, it opens because the person needs additional support in their life, and then it closes when they've, when there's some completion?
1: It's only open for a period of time, and it's, it's really there to help a person evolve uh-huh. So maybe when a person becomes a parent, you know, learning to be an unconditionally loving being, that's a great opportunity. So our choices are there as opportunities. Whether the individual actually moves through that information well or not is up to the individual. We have free will. And so they're only open for a period of time, and then they close regardless if the person moved through the material in a way that's in their highest good or not. It's an opportunity. That's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm
0: wondering, Marie, if you can give a gift, really, to Mm -hmm. our listeners, which would be to take us through a very short exercise of some kind that might help us open up to contacting our spirit guides. It's a
1: great idea. So I'm going to take us through, um, a little meditation and, um, what we're going to do is introduce water into it. So if someone wants to do this exercise again, they might want to do it in the bathtub or sitting by a lake um, or just standing in their bathroom if they want to. Because we're mostly water, our guides connect to us through our water molecules Mm. um, fairly well. It's Mm. an easy way for them to bond with us. Mm. They also connect to us through our auric fields because our auras reach through eternity, so do theirs. And auras exist around everything, even camera equipment. Um, so that's how our spirit guides connect with us. The frequency in the room has already shifted, yeah. so um, you know the guides are helping us to help everyone else have this um, felt experience. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and close my eyes, and there's going to be some rapid eye movement um, in my head. I'm not sure why. I'm, my guides just told me that, so I'm letting it happen rather than stopping it. Just might be some fluttering of my eyelashes while my being is um, being calibrated for this exercise. And so we're gonna have everyone else when they're ready to sit down. Feet flat on the floor would be perfect. So we can ground to the center of the earth, allowing our beautiful energetic roots or vines that come out of the secondary chakras of our feet. Move into the core of the earth, plant in. and then allow those energetic roots or vines to pull up earth energy into the body. Beautiful. And taking deep cleansing breaths to release any stress or anxiety we may have from the day. From the week or the month that we're currently in. Beautiful. And now just bringing, now just bring your awareness to your body as if your body actually is shimmering water. Maybe like a waterfall. You can feel your body. You can even sense your body's presence wherever you're sitting, knowing that you're grounded to the earth connected to this glorious planet we live on but feeling a kind of shimmering essence like beautiful moonlight on a lake whether you see it hear it or feel it just allow your water molecules to become more vibratory And we're allowing this calibration of our energy so that we can more easily feel, sense, experience our guides, our energetic allies. And now that you have your body in a beautiful vibrational pattern, I would love for you to just sense around your body, in front of you, maybe a few feet, to the left of you, a few feet, behind you a few feet to the right of you up above your head and below your feet feeling your auric field getting a sense of this gigantic energy that surrounds you that's shaped like an eggshell that goes through eternity as do the fields that surround your spirit guides wonderful excellent taking a few more cleansing breaths just relaxing your being because you're quickening your energy significantly in this moment and now that you have more of a felt sense of your aura once again as you feel a few feet outside of your body ask the question is my spirit guide In front of me? Behind me? On either side of me? Above me? Below me? Where do you sense that your spirit guide is? And it's most likely going to be the first spontaneous answer that you get. So if you felt your left hand or your attention was on your left side of your body, that is where your spirit guide is. So wherever you spontaneously felt or if you need to take a few moments to be in this space then please do so. We'll go to that place in just a moment. Wonderful. So now that you have some idea of where your spirit guide is next to you. Ask the question out loud if you can, if you will allow yourself to. What does my spirit guide look like for me? What does it feel like for me? How can I know again what my spirit guide is like for me? And so now we're going to activate many senses From having visions in your mind, like color or light, or feelings in your body, like warmth or coolness, tingling, hearing a word or a voice, just allow your senses to be activated so that you'll be able to identify something about your spirit guide that you can re-identify again and again and again. all doing a really great job having this felt experience with your spirit guides and whatever impression feeling metaphor that you receive we're just going to lock it in our memory banks so that you can use that image feeling thought word in the future but at this very moment if you have a question you've been wanting an answer for now would be the perfect opportunity ask it again. Out loud would be great. Maybe there's something that you have had concerns about or something that you want to do and you have a question about. Go ahead and ask the question out loud. And then bring all of your attention to your abdomen right below your belly button in the second chakra area. So that you can be out of your brain and let your mind take whatever answers are possible in this moment. That's perfect, just sitting in the belly. Relaxing. knowing that your answer is here for you or will be when you open your eyes or first thing in the morning and your awareness, a beautiful, beautiful response. And we're going to thank our spirit guides for the introduction, the answer to our question and welcome any felt sense that they can provide for us into our future. (sighs) Bringing our attention back to our bodies and our feet, feeling ourselves grounded and in the moment and when we're ready open our eyes
0: wonderful thank you that's fun I particularly like the way we went into the exercise by turning ourselves into you know uh, shimmering water molecules that, that makes a lot of sense and really seems to open up mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Good. Now, Marie, I have a question for you. You know, so often people who teach and speak from—we'll mm-hmm. just call it the psychic realm—are mm-hmm. um, full of dash 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 Um I don't know Are full? They're—they're—they're well, <laughs> they're, they're full of shit, basically. Oh. <laughs> often, often, hmm. and some aren't, hmm. and some aren't. And I think what happens is that often critical thinking, rational mm-hmm. listeners mm-hmm. come to a place where they think all of this spirit guide stuff is just nonsense. Mm. But then either they meet someone in their life who they think, Well, this person doesn't seem like they're full of nonsense and they've had these experiences. Right. Or they meet someone like you. Right. And they're like this here she is, she on- was an oncology nurse, things started opening up, things right. like this happened to people. Now I'm so confused. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what's clearly just, you know, superstitious bahooky, mm-hmm. and what really has merit. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how, how, what would be your suggestions to help people sort that out? Hmm.
1: I kind of look at spirituality as a way to help our being evolve here on planet Earth. Maybe that's not what someone wants to experience. Maybe they don't wish to have that kind of felt experience in their life. That's why I embrace it and I think that's one of the reasons why it works for me. So I think it depends on the individual. Well let's let's yeah. give
0: these individuals the benefit of the doubt that they're very evolutionary oriented. Oh okay. They're right. evolutionary oriented but right. they have strong critical thinking functions. Yeah. And they've been exposed to, you know, fortune tellers who clearly <laughs> were taking people for a right, ride, right. you know. And then they're exposed to somebody who's sharing real experiences, and right. they're, they're starting to think, you know, maybe these judgments I had, you know, things aren't so lock solid.
1: I, I, I think I know what you're talking about. I think that you have to trust your heart. You know, just like I was raised in a very holistic family. Our physicians were chiropractors and Chinese herbal medicine doctors. My mother wasn't interested at all in conventional medicine. But yet, going into nursing felt like the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, Studying oncology medicine felt like the right thing for me because it brought joy to my being. And I think having a deeper understanding of the human body has helped me to be a better healer. So you have to go with what feels right for you, not based on what you've been taught as a child or what society says to you. You have to make that felt decision on your own energetic, personal level about what is in your best interest as an individual, and then move from that place. That's what I think, anyway. Okay.
0: And then just to end our conversation, I'm wondering if I could ask one more thing of you, if you'd be willing to give our listeners and viewers a blessing of some kind for their own journey in meeting their spirit guides.
1: Sure. Certainly. Oh, well, you know, I happen to be in love with the human race. <laughs> I realized this when I became a nurse. I I grew up in um, a multicultural community because both my both of my parents were students at the University of Washington when I was young. So I just thought, oh, well, I just I like culture. But when I started to walk hospital floors and see people missing a limb or other body parts or hair, I just realized I just love people. So I'm honored to be able to offer a blessing. Um I believe blessings come from the universe. You know that there are more beings than we could possibly imagine and they really do love and adore and cherish and honor the human experience. It's not always an easy experience. And so their arms are always open to us in every way possible whether it is to just have a pleasant day at work or have a safe drive home or to be able to spend more time with our family or eat perfect food for our bodies. They are always emanating a pulse of vibrational love to our planet, hoping that we will open our hearts and allow ourselves to be loved even for an instant by these beings who truly, truly do adore and cherish us. So I hope that anyone who's watching this or listening to this is able to open their heart just a tiny bit more so that they can feel this enormous love even for a moment longer than they did yesterday and that with each and every day they allow that moment to become bigger and longer and that they're able to express that with the people in their lives as well so that's my blessing beautiful (laughs) thank you
0: I've been speaking with Marie Manusheri. She is the creator of a new six-session audio program with Sounds True on how to communicate with your spirit guides, connecting with your energetic allies for guidance and healing. And she's also created a new book with Sounds True on intuitive self-healing, achieve balance and wellness through the body's energy centers, a book that takes readers through the chakra system and offers a variety of different exercises and practices that the reader can do to become more aware of what's happening throughout their whole body. Marie, thank you so much for your sincerity and truth-tellingness and uh, your beautiful heart. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure.
0: SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening.